So, before we get to our stuff um, and uh, engage in the last session of this um, of this semester, um, I want to um, I want to do a promotion for the course of next semester. Uh, I will be given uh, a, semin a seminar, a course, a class. Um, and it will be a little bit different than the one uh, we, we had uh, this semester because it will not be about an author, it will be not be about Levinas, it will be about a subject, and the subject we will study is uh, consolation. Consolation, comfort, and uh, it will be a kind of a philosophical, Jewish philosophical journey into the question of cons consolation. It will not be directly linked to mourning, to mourning. So don't don't think it. I, I hope it will be not morbid, but with um, a, a far more, um, let's say, broader question: the question of religion as consolation. What does it mean uh, to be consoled? What uh, what is the quest for consolation, and how is religion uh, answering to those questions? Uh, and, and we will also speak about philosophy and religion. How does philosophy criticize the idea that uh, there is consolation in this world, and what does it imply to be consoled? And uh, so th those are those are the questions we will deal with. And it will be again it will be a kind of journey into from one side philosophical texts, uh, from Plato to Marx, Freud. Uh, Camus, uh, Spinoza, you name it, the moderns. And from the other side, uh, it will be, um, uh, we'll try to look into texts um, both from the biblical tradition and the scriptures. What does the term, how does the term Nechama, for instance, function in the text? Nechama, or comfort, consolation, is a very strange text, it's a very strange word. Uh, and we'll go through those. Uh, the, the occurrences, the passages where the text speaks of uh, consolation, and we'll get eventually to the um, the big texts about consolation, which are the Book of Lamentation, the Book of Job, and the um, the chapters in uh, the Prophets, which deals with the prophecies of consolation. Um, and now there is another aspect to it, and uh, I, I don't know if we'll cover all what I'm now selling to you, but <laughs> that, that's a lot of stuff. Every day for uh -huh. What? You'll teach it every day for all. Yeah. Years. So you see, it's, it's a very broad subject. It's not. It's not. Don't be like. It's not about um, more uh, about consolation in the sense that we understand in, in the narrow sense of the term. Okay, uh, having to do with uh, a grief and nichuma uh, velim. Of course, there is a relationship, but it's, it, 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 it is a, uh, I would say it is an existential question of the quest for consolation, uh, about the quest for consolation. That's the, that will be the topic of, the, of next semester's class. Now, um, the, yeah, it will be the same time slot. Uh, I encourage you to come. I would be very interested to do this. You know that Drisha uh, courses depends on the participation of, of you so if there will be enough, uh, enough interest this this class will happen if not then it will not happen and of course bring your friends if you think it's worth the while 
I will add a last thing. For me, it's, it's, uh, I would, it's when I came to Drisha uh, uh, and uh, I proposed a class, I told them that I would either give a class on Levinas or on uh, comfort and consolation. And I said, well, I, I'll do first a class on Levinas because that's my comfort zone. That's my... That's my my dada, we say in French. That's what I'm good at. That that I, I worked a lot on Levinas. Now it's not that I'm not good at at consolation, but it's more for my from from my point of view, it's more uh, research that it's an ongoing research. So I, I will be sharing with you uh, kind of an ongoing research, and for me it will be very interesting to work with you to be able to you know to to do a kind of to share uh, those 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 subjects I'm working on nowadays. And uh, so uh, I think it will be uh, exciting. And again, I encourage you to come and to bring your friends with you. That's it for the promotion. Mm-hmm. I'm not an American, so I'm not so good at it. But I, I try. My, I do my best. It will be the same day. Yeah, it will be the same day and time. And um, <coughs> um, yeah. Yes. What made you pick that particular subject? Oh, so I'll. That would be the opening session for next semester. Uh, there is a good reason for it. Uh, it has to do with the passing away of a very important figure in my life, uh, my teacher. And uh, but I, I will develop on it. It's, it has it has to do with some. Uh, and the subject uh, is again it's very broad. So I will both say what brought me to the subject, and I will try to deployed the whole scope of the, of the question. So today we'll end our reading of uh, the Brachot uh, passage, the Brachot um, text on the creation of the woman. And um, we're not, I, I don't think we'll be able to, to finish the, the Levinas text, but um, I'll, I'll give you the, the, the missing pages and you can either study it by yourselves at home. You have my email if you have questions. I'm always happy to to uh, assist you if, if you need assistance, if you want to ask questions. But tr- let's try to, um, to add at least one more chapter to the study we uh, have been doing for the two last weeks. So I just um, as, as kind of a summary, I want to remind you the, what, what we did last week and two weeks ago. So the, the question we asked was, it started from the anomaly of Vayetzer, the two youths in the, in the, in the um, Bereshit uh, verse. And last week we saw that um, the discussions between the sages on the meaning of the two youths eventually, um, uh, eventually uh, 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 gave us this, 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 this very, very strong uh, image of the two-faced first man, first human. Okay, the, the, the rabbi said, the rabbi said, Vayitzer means dupatsufi, two faces, and we related this to the uh, verse, verses in uh, Psalm 139, you hatch me from uh, before and from behind. And the philosophical insight of Levinas, his take on this, uh, on this idea is that the 
human was created, the image of the human, the primordial image of the human, is one in which the human is incapable of escaping the gaze of God, the look of God. If he turns his face, well, there is another face. There are two faces. And we saw Levinas interpret it in a little uh, different manner. He said, he said, I have always a face on, in my neck who is haunting me, who is purchasing me. I cannot flee the I cannot flee the look of the other. I cannot flee my responsibility. This is the this is the meaning for Levinas. And, and again, we saw it already when we studied the um, the the Moody passage uh, on, um, on Mount Sinai, and, and, and this is, this is the, the, I would say, the main theme in Levinas. This is, if you want, the, 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 most, the, the, the most important idea of his philosophy, the idea that to be human is to be responsible for the other, but to be responsible for the other in such an extreme sense that responsibility defines my humanity. Two faces, du partufil means I am responsible. I cannot turn my head. I cannot turn my face. And this responsibility, says Levinas, again reading Psalm 139, because this is how he reads the Gemara. He says, well, if, if Rabbi uh, Jeremiah links the du partufil thesis to the Psalms, then we should go and look in the Psalms to have an idea of what he means by this idea of Dupasufim, of two-faced. And Devinas says, well, this responsibility, this impossibility of fleeing my responsibility is not felt, is not experienced as something awful, as, as a kind of prison. I cannot flee, I'm imprisoned, I'm... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trapped, but it's it's felt as something joyful. It's something which is, Ignace says, my chosenness, my election. It's not like the verses, like the phrases, like the lines in in Racine's Phaedo, Phaedrus, Phaedra, Phaedra. Phaedra, right? Okay, you understand. Uh, where, where, where the hero is trapped, is fatally trapped, is tragically trapped. It's not like those tragic heroes in the Greek mythology who cannot flee their their faith. And and, and this is and this is tragic. Here, this impossibility of fleeing is felt as election, as chosenness, as being chosen, being chosen. I'm chosen for responsibility. This is the first definition of the human according to uh, Rav Jeremiah. And now I come to the chapter that will interest us today. And we said it last week, but I'm just doing a little, uh, repetition, um, little summary. This definition, says Levinas, precedes 
the separation of the human between male and female. There is a common definition of humanity which is prior to the separation of humanity into the masculine and the feminine. Everything is open, Levinas says, that is true for the masculine and for the feminine. This is, this is, a, this is a fundamental truth having to do with the nature of, of, human, of the humanity of, of men. So this um, Talmudic passage, which deals with the creation of the woman, starts with the creation of men. In, in, in the sense of the creation of the humanity of both men and women. And only at a second stage, the Talmud goes and questions the meaning of the difference between the masculine and the feminine. And this is where we uh, ended last week with this, those two interpretations, those two interpretations um, of the idea that women was created out of, a, of, of the rib of men. And the Lord God, it's on page 168, and the Lord God fashioned or built into a woman the rib which he had taken from men. This is the verse that we will comment today. And immediately Rav and Shmuel, which are two very important uh, First generation Amoraim, and and they are they are they are very strong couple. You know, in the Talmud there are couples. Abaye, Rava, Rav Shmuel. So Rav Shmuel is uh, it's like Hillel and Shammai. Those 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 schools who were arguing one with the other. Rav and Shmuel are very interesting. A very interesting couple. It's very it's always it's a lot. They they discussed a lot about creation. Rav and Shmuel. They were they had a very serious. Chavruta about Sefer Bereshit, um, and here they discuss the question of what was the nature of the rib. And one says the rib was a face, and the other says the rib was a tail. And we saw last week, and this is where I will end the little summary, that for Levinas here we have two interpretations, true two attitudes concerning the role of the relationship between male and female in the economy of spiritual life. Does love constitute the essential element of spirituality or, or is spirituality about something else? That's how Levinas reads the debate, the discussion between Rav and Shmuel. One says the rib is a face and therefore the relationship between man and woman 
the sexual difference. Eros, love. Well, that's that's an inherent part. That's an inherent part of the spirituality of of the human. The other says no. Rib means a tail. Means that the feminine is secondary. As for the question of spirituality, the relationship with the feminine is not what constitutes the spirituality of man. And last week I proposed to that you can invert the sentence and say and say for women the relationship with men is not the essential element of spiritual life. Okay, Levinas does not say it, but I think it is implied by what he says. The pa- I, I'm reading one uh, uh, on page 169. It's um, in the middle of the page, a little bit lower. Levinas says the particularity of the feminine is secondary. It is not women who is secondary. It is the relationship with women which is secondary. It is the relationship with women, and you can again, you can switch it. Uh, Levinas as a man speaks of the woman, but like for women, you can you can just um, invert the the the, sex, the, the uh, sexual um, value of the of the phrase for the relationship with men. I would say, as men, does not belong to what is fundamentally human. Fundamental are the tasks that man accomplishes as a human being and that woman accomplishes as a human being. Those are the two fundamental positions that Levinas, again after the Talmud, after Rav and Shmuel, we try to make sense of. This is the debate. This is the debate. Tail or face means is it primary or secondary? And now we will follow, and this will, this is what we will do today. We will follow a set of um, questions that are asked that are asked to do those two positions, Rav and Shmuel, they will have to to account for their positions as in relation to certain verses. They, they will have to, to, to adapt their visions to certain verses and this adaptation, those adaptations will help you, us to understand better those two positions. So now we have just stated them, we have put them on the table. The debate between Rav and Shmuel will help us to completely unveil all the consequences of this of this debate. So here we are entering a more dangerous uh, area. Uh, 
um, we enter it already. We entered it already because it has to do with one of the most difficult questions that religion deals with: the question of the place of the woman, of the relationship with the woman. And Ibn takes a very difficult text, this text in Brachot, and he tries to make sense of it. It's easy to say. It's too easy to say. Well, the rabbis are just. Uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, they hate women. They are uh, misogynist. Misogynist, exactly. Uh, misogynist, and they think that maybe uh, women is just an appendix. It's just a tail, etc., etc. Levinas is more generous with the text, and he says, "Well, it's not. It's not so easy." Not the, the to claim that our tradition is patriarchal is masculine maybe may may have some truth but this does not uh, liberate us from trying to understand what their positions really are and Levinas is trying to do it I'm not sure he's convincing but I told you that that's the that's our exercise today so I, I'm just a middleman and I just want to give. Uh, this text, the most, uh, the most of it, what Levinas does with the text. But just, just um, and that would be my last remark about this, this uh, section of the of Levinas' Talmudic commentary. Let's uh, just um, try to, 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 uh, to be attentive, to be, um, to, to recognize how Levinas here, um, in his at interpretation, he's, he's trying to, in a way, rehabilitate this opinion about the rib being a tail. He's trying to make sense of it. For instance, when he says that women was, is a real act of creation. Huh? If, 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 the women come, uh, if the origin of women is, the, is the, the, this tail of men, well, it means it can mean that well, it's it's an appendix, it's something not worthful, it's 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 uh, degradating, etc., etc. It can also mean that well, God had to put a lot of work into into this, and the creation of the woman is is a creation, uh, is a separate creation, is a separate act of creation. The same way God created man, He created woman. He did not just, you know, just take a little part of men and then said, well, that he just he had to build women from from the rib. So, so that's again a way of, of, of reading more generously and trying to, to 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 be more attentive to the implications of such an opinion, which can be against again, which can be uh, at first sight understood as a degradating opinion. The women came from the rib, but it can be also heard as something uh, other. For instance, when women was created, there was there was an independent act of creation for the women. Here we have two different creations, and the inversion goes goes go, goes further. In a way, it would be even more uh, uh, more. Uh, respectful to speak of women created from the rib of, of, of the first Adam as a tail to be more respectful because this would mean that here you have two distinct 
creations, two um, uh, separate creations. It's really something else. It's there is here something completely different. Yes. Uh, just to clarify, the debate is about where, what part of Adam was removed to make the woman, or what part of the, what was the first part built? Is what part from Adam, right? That the rib was a face rib versus a tail rib, and also. The, the question is, what is this cella? What is what what is this cella? Now you know, so. I just help you because I understand that it's different to picture it, but in Hebrew, tsela, tsela hamishkan, for instance. Tsela means rib, slaot means rib, tsela means rib, but tsela means also, okay, this is what we are talking about, it means rib, but it also means side. Sela HaMishkan, for instance, means the side of the Mishkan. Slaot HaMishkan means the sides of the Mishkan. So that's why the rabbis um, argue about the nature of this Sela. Now, in the translations, in the regular translations, it's always translated as and God fattened, fashions into woman the rib which he had taken from man. But it's, 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 uh, I'm a little bit surprised that Levinas didn't uh, uh, no, uh, no, here he, he. I don't remember he, if he noticed it. That's the, again, linguistic occasion for interrogating it. So I think this will answer your question. So if it's a side, tell us so if, if the, the, the pasuk, if the verse speaks about the side of the man, so you can say, well, this side was a face. And we remember the, the, this idea of Rav Jeremiah, and we return to it that if man was created with two faces, then, well, this verse may well apply to the fact that God separated one face from the other, and that's how men and women were created. Okay, so that's, so the side, I would say, the opinion states that Selah was, is a face, is the one who reads Selah as side. The one who reads the verse as Sela being the rib would be more easy to say that the rib was uh, Tay. Okay, so yeah, I was this answering this answers a little bit? Yeah. Okay. A lot. But uh, I was wondering if uh, the Pasuk from Tehillim and Achor is related because both the tail is clearly from Achor, from the back, from behind, and the face, if it's a. Uh, so that's, that's exactly what we will now study, because now the, the, the two opinions will have to try to cope with different sukim. So the question will be, I, I just, we'll, we'll enter it in, in one minute, so you'll see it in act, but just to give you the atmosphere of what we will see, so the, thing, the, 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 the five questions that will be asked will be in the, f the following form. For the one who says, I'm sorry, I'm adopting the Talmudic uh, melody. For the one who says that Tzela was a face, then the verse Kedem the verse of Psalms, is not a problem. It matches. 
But what does the one who says that Selah is a rib, what does this opinion do, do with the verse Kedem Tatani? And then they will have to, he will have to answer. Okay? But let, let's, let's, let's just jump into the text and this will be a good example. It will be a good uh, illustration of what, what happens. Okay, so on page 117 now you have to how do you say fasten your seatbelts uh, because now we are getting into you know the, the very classic Talmudic way of um, you don't have the 117 okay so here it is yeah I'm sorry I frightened you uh -huh. yeah so take one and just uh, pass it through Thank you. And here is the uh, next one. And I'll, I'll already I'll give you all the texts. Uh, although again I'm not sure we'll get to it. And this is another one. And. <laughs> so you see that's exactly the... <coughs> what? We'll have it from all the sides. Like we, we will explore all the different possibilities with the Vayetzer, the, the, the word of Vayetzer, with Kedem Vachot Satan, with Chavanech Keva Barautan. We will have to take all those difficult words from Bereshit and from Psalms and from etc. and try to see how the two opinions can live with the different verses. Okay, and, 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 and of course, through those technical debates, Levinas will try to say something about those two fundamental positions. Because now I, I will add to this um, scheme um, Levinas take on it, Ignace says faith means that, let's say, love is essential to spirituality. It's very, very, uh, very, very uh, succinct formulation of the of Levinas' thesis. And tail would mean that the relation with the Feminine is secondary, meaning, let's say, eros or love is secondary. And note that Levinas is very, very careful with his words. He, does, he never says the relation with the woman. He says the relation with feminine, with the feminine. Secondary. Okay. Those are the two, the two um, opinions that we will explore now through the debate between um, Rav and Shmuel. So, first, first question for the one who said. It was a face. 
The text, You Hedge Me Before and Behind, presents no difficulties. Why? What you said before, the two faces and then the separated. Exactly, because you can you can say that before and behind is are those two faces. But what does the one who maintains that it is a tale do with the text? And you will see you will see that the one who has the most difficulties with the text will all will be the the seller opinion, the, the read opinion. This this reading, the reading of side of face will, uh, except for one, uh, for, for one um, uh, occasion, will always be uh, pretty much in accord with the verses. But the other one needs to be accorded to, reaccorded to, to the verses. So the first verse we are uh, trying to, to put together with the, the rib and tail opinion is the is the verse from from Psalms Chova Kedem Tartani you hedge me from before and beyond and we say well what what does it what does this verse mean according to the opinion of the second opinion okay, we we refer to it as the first opinion and second opinion because we don't know who held those opinions whether it was Rav or Shmuel. I told you last week, I think, they, they were afraid from, the, from their wives. That's why they didn't say, well, we want, we want vulture for any of the opinions they So, how does the rib tail uh, uh, opinion um, read the verse from Psalms? We must acknowledge that he thinks like <coughs> Rav Ami, for Rav Ami said, Behind means the last one created, before means the first one to be punished. So how does the second opinion get out of this, uh, of, of this difficulty? He says, well, in fact, the verse in Psalms has to do with something completely different. It has to do with the question of reward and punishment. You hedge me from before and from behind means, well, man was the last one to be created, and he's the first one to be punished. Now let's let's read uh, Levinas' commentary because again it will help us to understand how this relates to the two opinions that that I have sketched. To maintain that woman as woman is not one of the poles of spirituality, that love, although it dominates our poetry and literature, is not equivalent to the spirit, is to deny that verse 5 of Psalm 139 makes any reference to women. Verse 139 does not make reference to women, but with the question of the order of creation and the order of punishment. And you see in this, in this um, first line of Levinas, 
who he is debating with, I mean Levinas. What's the stakes of this, of, of, of this interpretation for Levinas? Levinas here actually again criticizes Western civilization. It doesn't say it's the way he said it in the Temptation of Temptation, but it's, it, it's encrypted and it's quite obvious. When he speaks about poetry and literature, well, poetry and literature, which are one of the most important products of Western spirituality, well, a lot of times, what is at the core of of those texts is the tension between the masculine and the feminine. Eros. Love is the, the, the burning uh, kernel of literature and poetry. So this opinion, the opinion, the second opinion that love is secondary for Levinas is an opinion which defies, which challenges a vision of the world that is very, very deeply embedded in Western civilization and in, in ourselves for, um, uh, as, as Westerners. So the one holding the second opinion, says Levinas, reads the Psalm 139 as something which has nothing to do with the relation between men and women. Rav Ami interprets it in agreement with the thesis we have just examined, man is the last creature, the last to come into the world, the rear guard of the creature. This world is therefore not what man would have planned or wanted. It is not even that man has seen the beginning of it. It has not come about as a result of man's creative freedom. Man has come into an already made universe. Man is the first to receive punishment. It is he who answers for what he has not done. Man is responsible for the universe, the hostage of the creature. Beyond the realm attributable to his freedom, he is pressed from his front and rear. You hedged me from beyond and from before. He is asked to account for things which he did not will and which were not born from his freedom. When the second opinion interprets the verse of Psalm 139 the way it does, meaning according to the opinion of Rav Ami, he not only proposes an elegant solution to, to the question of how can he uh, do with the verse of Psalm 139. Actually, for Levinas, as Levinas reads it, the second opinion, when, it, when he reads the verse in Psalm 139, gives us, again, a definition of the human in which sexuality is secondary, in which responsibility, absolute responsibility, meaning I was created last, we were created last, the sixth day of creation. We did not choose this world 
in which we were created. This world in which we were created is not the fruit of our initiatives. We come to an already made world, which is something incredible. <coughs> this is not true only for the first Adam, this is true for every one of us. We all arrived in this world, everything was prepared for us. We didn't decide for it. So we can always say, say well, so I don't care, I'm not, no, I didn't do this, I'm not responsible for it. You hedge me from before and from behind for Rav Ami, and the second opinion adopts this reading of Rav Ami, means that humanity, again, is about absolute responsibility. We formulated it in one way with the metaphor of the two parts of him, of the two faces. Now we can formulate it in yet another way. To be absolutely responsible means to be responsible even for things that were there before I was created. Is it fair? Well, it's not about fairness. Responsibility is about something else. Responsibility is not about freedom. It's about something more fundamental than freedom. Prior than freedom. Levinas says, beyond the realm attributable to his freedom, he is pressed from his front and rear. Again, again, this idea of being pressed, of being, of being trapped, of being unable to flee. But here it is, again, not the, the two faces, but the fact that I came late and still I'm accountable, I'm the first to be accountable. Man is the first to receive punishment. I'm co I'll continue the reading. Rav Ami's interpretation thus situates the human in the responsibility for all others. It is in perfect agreement with the thesis which upholds that woman, in her sexual particularity, was born from a minor joint of man or of the human being. In the relationship with another person, the preposition with changes into the preposition for. I'm not with the other, I'm for the other. Not two faces in the sense that one is with the other, but one is for the other. I am with the others means I am for the others, responsible for the other person. Here the feminine as such is only secondary. Man and woman, when authentically human, work together as responsible beings. The sexual is only an accessory of the human. Again, Levinas, in fact, repeats his thesis, but you see how he, he tries to to add to it some, some elements, to add to it some depth. Men and women are both for the other. 
men and women are both created late and accountable for everything. Here, sexual difference doesn't, dif doesn't make a difference. As for the realm of responsibility, men and women are completely equal. It's possible to formulate this equality only if you depict the creation of women as a rib. Because if it's a face, then it's one and the other, then it's one, no, this, one with the other. Levinas wants, or for him the Talmud wants, to, to stress the fact that one is for the others. You hatch me from beyond and from before, meaning I'm the last one to be created, I'm the first one to be accountable, and this I is both masculine and feminine. This equality is possible only if you do the interpretation of the rib. How you with me? It's a little bit torturous. Call his role a rib and like well, they're responsible for each other. Yeah, but two things. First, you see that here he's speaking about the human. It's a, it's, it's, it's the human prior to the difference between masculine and feminine, and it's the human prior to the distinction between Israel and, and the nations. So this arvut you are speaking about this solidarity that, that the um, rabbis proclaim uh, maybe has to do with something else because here Levinas is speaking about a fundamental feature of, of humanity as such and that's, that's why the focus is on the story of the creation of Adam but so what, what did you want to add? Yeah. Like conceptually, that you know, that I think it's inherent in, in the religion that we are responsible for each other. You know that you can't stand was it you can't stand quietly while your neighbor's blood is being spilled. Like it's very much about you can't ever turn your face away. Yeah. That you absolutely are responsible for uh, everything. You know, for people. For, people in Judaism, out of Judaism, just people in general, that you can't stay quietly by. That's inherent in the religion. And here you're saying this is saying before there was even like a concept of the Jewish people and other nations and so on and so forth. But saying philosophically that essence of what it's saying is that responsibility, we're saying that's very much a big part of Judaism, is being responsible for each other, being part of the community. And take care of each other, and so on and so forth. Yes. You are referring to, to very specific uh, verses and, and formulation of the rabbis. You will not stand by the blood of your neighbor, of your fellow man. Or even keep him quiet, keep the Kodah also. Like yeah, yeah, but, but don't quiet. bring all the... You know, <laughs> we can bring all the Talmud. But the that's common ground yeah. of all these things is that staying quiet, turning your face away is not an acceptable thing. It's yes. very much, yes. you know, the belief in the religion is that you can't turn your face, you can't keep quiet, Yes. you have, you have an active responsibility to help out your fellow brethren. Indeed. You're right. And a lot of Judaism is about this unfolding all the aspects of responsibilities, of responsibility, like trying to 
to um, to really get into the most minute details of what it means to be responsible. And the uh, examples you, br you brought are, I would say, expressions of this fundamental responsibility. Those texts deal with the fundamentals. So, so you, are, you, are, you are absolutely right, but I would just advise to to be uh, attentive to the difference between, let's say, practical implications of the fact that being human is being re responsible. And then you will get and all, the, all, all those, those practical aspects. Even Kol Yisrael Arevim Zelazeh is a practical, is a practical saying. Okay? It has black practical implications and it is a practical saying. So I would do a difference between those, and here a text which deals with, which with the 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 basic the basic definition of what it is to be human, and the fact that they are in accord is not a surprise, because we are dealing with the same tradition. But here it is an occasion to try to 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 hear better what it means to be responsible for the other, and. Dealing with the fundamentals helps us to bring together the metaphysical dimension and the ethical dimension. If you deal only with the with the with the practical implications of it, and a lot of other examples, well, then you have, I would say, Jewish ethics. You have, which is very important. You have the rules of what you have to do in order to you know, be in accordance with the law, etc., etc. Here in this text, and this is the big act of Levinas. This is the big, his big, uh, his chidush, his his novelty. Here, he is he is linking, he is bringing together a very metaphysical text. A text dealing with the creation of man, a text dealing with the relation between man and his creator, a text about creation of the world and of man. He's bringing together this, those texts, and responsibility. And a lot of time we, we, we just separate them. We say, well, okay, we have those set, the set of dogmas, let's say, the set of beliefs we have. God created the world, God uh, is. Provid uh, providential God uh, uh, created man, etc. We know also the details of it. God created man, masculine and feminine, etc., etc. And then we go to the other side of the table and we say, well, and uh, man has to do X, Y, Z. Those texts help us to bring them together. The way it's not just about the creation of. Man. It's not only about the creation of the world, of the providentiality of God. It's about understanding and here those texts which are really trying to read the little anomalies in the texts. And from those anomalies they try to infer some enormous ideas. Well, why do they, why, why do they deploy so much energy in it? 
if you could just say, well, maybe they want to say something more. Maybe they want to say that there is a, a link, a deep relationship between creation and responsibility. Between this metaphysical idea that God created the world, that God created man, and the practical implication which is man is responsible. In order to bring those two together, we have to we have to open those those texts help us to, to bring those two elements together. Okay? And here we again we have last last remark on, on your remark. You see how Levinas here is presenting also a completely different opinion. The text himself is presenting a, a different opinion. There is also the face interpretation. So, so this text is open. This text is not only saying, well, okay, love is secondary, that's why we should read the verse 139 as uh, I was the first one to be created, uh, the last one to be created, the first one to be accountable, etc., etc. There is also another option. Opening those options and trying to but clarify. Just one thirty nine reading one thirty nine as the Psalm one thirty nine. Yeah. Reading the Psalm one thirty nine as a Psalm that describes the absolute responsibility of of man despite the fact that he didn't choose. How far I mean I don't see how you get that. Huh? I, I don't see how you get that from that same sentence. That that's what Rav Ami says. Rav Ami says before means the first one to be punished, beyond, behind says the last one created. You don't understand how Rabbi Ami is doing the reading of the verse? Right. Well, <laughs> it's pretty. <laughs> it gets us no, 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 it's, no. It's, it's, it's a very, it's a very it's legitimate question. question, but then we have to ask ourselves. What are the rabbis doing when they are reading the verse? You see that the last thing that they are interested in is the literal meaning of verses. Rabbi, I'm never interested in the literal meaning of verses. They are not disrespectful. They are not doing whatever they want with verses. But it's a very complex back and forth between uh, trying to hear what the verse say and trying to create meaning with this. Create meaning with this. And you see that the, the rabbis, they can have two completely different opinions of, uh, about one verse. We saw Rav Ami here says one thing and Rav, Eli, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jeremiah says, says the other. Uh, yeah, Rab Jeremiah says, you hatch me from before from behind me that God created man with two faces. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Rab Ami says, you hatch me from behind Well, that's not, that does not mean that God created man with two faces. It means that you are the last one to be created, you are the first one to be accountable. Again, I'm reiterating the question. Okay. What are the rabbis doing when they are interpreting a verse? Answer. They are 
trying to make sense of the verse and making sense of the verse means they are trying to say something fundamental about something for us here in the context of our text it is about the creation of man so it is about humankind it's about nature of, of the human so when Rav Ami says what he says he, wa he wants to stress something which has to do with his vision of what it is to be human and now we read and Divinas Divinas is trying to help us to understand it not to stop only at the, the face value interpretation of the rabbis when Divinas asks what, what is Rabbi Rav Ami what does Rav Ami say when he interprets the verse in, 130, in Psalm 139 the way he does Divinas answers but well, it's very simple you are accountable even for things you did not decide in the, in the, even for reality in which you were you 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 were brought in very late. That's Rav Ami. Okay. Okay. The other says two faces. Yeah, no, I have. So they are debating not about what's the literal meaning of the verse. They are they are debating about what is the essence of the meaning. You want to add something? Yeah, uh, just for me to understand this, and tell me if I'm confused, if it's not correct. Uh, if there were two faces in the first human, yeah. and we were merely divided into two, mm -hmm. male and female, what would be left is half, is uh, something with only one face, which is not what God wanted to create. God wanted to create us having this two-faced nature that can't hide from responsibility. So in order in order for us to re remain human from the first to the second, maybe it has to be coming from the rib, the second, so that he's creating a whole new thing with two faces, so that the woman and the man are equally human in there having two faces and responsibility towards others, which is not uh, splitting down the middle like in the other mythology of the Greeks of male and female being split and then each one being an isolated individual. And Why being attracted one to the other? It's not right. Yeah. But God God is not trying to correct the spelling mistake of the two yuds. Yeah. The two yuds remains uh, in each of us, right? At the end of the creation. It's not that there's a spelling mistake and he's correcting it by splitting us mm -hmm. into two. But he's uh, He's making every creature have two yuds. Every human creature, unlike an animal, has two yuds, which is the two faces, which is not uh, possible if you use the face of the, the extra face to make the second human. Yeah, but you are, you are, I understand the, the way you reason, but it's very not rabbinic. It's very not the way rabbis think about it. They are not trying to, to make, you know, to, to, they are not thinking even of the transition from the first to the second. Here, for instance, in our text, there is another text about the Mestirah, where it is described that God actually separated men and women from the first, this first by-faced creation. Here, it's it's not the it's not the, it's not the subject. So they are not interested in it's not what they are interested in. The question of the nature of the of male and female comes from. The question of how to read by even and Hashem Rimet Atzela Shera Tachmin Adam. 
what, what is the nature of this river, this site? I want to stick to, to Levinas' reading, and according to Levinas' reading, he, he does differently. He says, well, the first, the first part of our Talmudic reading deals with the basic definition of the human, two faces. Of course, this is a metaphor. We don't have two faces. And not because God separated the two faces or because the rib was a rib and a tail and other face, etc. We don't have two faces. So when the rabbis said, said, the rabbis say that man, the first Adam, had two faces, he's not describing as a reality. He is trying to convey a lesson, a message. Describing the first Adam as having two faces means the fundamental feature, the fundamental definition of the human is this, I cannot hide. And now we pass to the second phase and we we'll, and, and we'll ask ourselves, but given that this is the basic definition of the human, given that this is the basic definition, what is the meaning of the, de 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 of the separation between men and women? And this is the this is the debate we are into right now. So in a way, the the, the two faces is, is as a metaphor is something which is the the, the ground the first the first ground the first floor of our reading. Now we get to the second floor and we want to understand well what is the what is the place of the relation with the woman or again with the, of the relation with the man for women in the economy of creation. Rabbi Shmuel debate on it. For the one, it is essential. For the other, it is secondary. And now we try to uh, measure this with the universe. Let's read the last uh, paragraph on page um, 170, because here again Levinas uh, um, tries to hint, or it's not a hint, he's really saying it explicitly, what, who is debating it, who is discussing it. And you, we, we saw literature and poetry, and now there is a third element who will, which will come uh, into the debate, and you will recognize it very easily, because it's said in, in whole words. It is the Freudian, the Freudian vision of the world. Well, basically, the Freudian vision of the world says that sexuality is what determines the nature of, of who we are. Sexuality in, in the most, you know, in the, in the broadest sense of the word. Okay, I am attracted by my mother, I am uh, repulsed by my father, there is a kind of tension, a sexual tension between children and, and, and parents, and, and by all, the constitution of who I am will be determined by the way I will be able to resolve those conflicts uh, in my early childhood and eventually during all my life. Levinas says, well, maybe this is not what makes us human. Maybe this deterministic point of view, this, 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 this Freudian way of analyzing humans as, as if they were like, if, 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 as if what is essential is hidden and is made of persons and of sexual tension, etc. Maybe this is not what actually made makes us what we are. These are not mere sub subtleties. 
What is challenged here is the re revolution which thinks it has achieved the ultimate by destroying the family so as to liberate imprisoned sexuality. First, he's, he's aiming sexual, the sexual uh, revolution. This text was written in the early 60s, I think. Yeah, mid-60s. It's even, it's even kind of early for not the sexual revolution. I don't know, Woodstock is 68. Uh, I don't remember when. Maybe provisions were ahead of me. What? Ah, here, okay, it's October 72. Oh, that's so it's, it's, yeah, so it's, so it's, so it makes sense. So is now addressing this, the, the sexual revolution. It says, well, destroying the family so as to liberate imprisoned sexuality, maybe this is not the summon of, of, of human spirituality. What is challenged is the claim of accomplishing on the sexual plane the real liberation of men. Again, love is secondary. This is what it means. Real evil would be elsewhere. Not in repulsing, not in the... Uh, um, uh, how do you say it? Um, not repulsing. Um, the re um, how does Freud call it? When I'm kind of repressing, the repression of my sexual uh, uh, desires. Real evil would be elsewhere. Evil, as psychoanalysis discovers it in sickness, would already be predetermined by a betrayal responsibility. Libidinous relations in themselves would not contain the mystery of the human psyche. Again, that's Freud. Libidinous relations in themselves would not contain the mystery of the human psyche. So in one phrase, Levinas tries to challenge Freud with, with the help of, of, uh, of, those, of, of this debate. It is that which is human that would explain the acuteness of conflicts knotted into Freudian complexes. It is not the acuteness of libidinous desire that in itself would explain the soul. As I see it, this is what my text shows. I am not taking sides, today I am commenting. That's mm. not very convincing, but okay, let's, let's give him the... <laughs> the benefits of the doubt. Okay. So, sexual revolution, poetry, literature, Freudianism—all those, all those for Levinas—are part of this vision of the world who thinks that sexuality, love, is essential for the spirituality of man. Sela, rib, tail means well, maybe. It's not essential. Maybe it's secondary. Maybe what is first is responsibility. Maybe what makes us humans, before our passions, our desires, what conditions us, this kind of erotic ambience in which we comply ourselves or in which we try to find the kind of spiritual elevation, maybe this is not what being human means. For the advocate of the reptail opinion, the human comes before the relation with the, with the sexual partner, or feminine or the masculine.
Now there is an objection on Rav Ami's reading of Psalm 139. <laughs> that's the, you know, that's, that's Talmud. Talmud is a difficult exercise of dialectical thinking. It's like being able to try to jungle with concepts and going from one idea to the other while keeping together a lot of elements. So, and this is considered to be like a soft Talmudic, uh, Talmudic uh, reasoning. No. The more uh, the more acute, the more difficult Talmudic reasonings are not about stories about first Adam, but really minute details, and then it goes. So now there is a question about I, I'll anticipate a little bit, so the text will be more clear about Rav Ami's uh, idea that man was the first to is the last one to be created and the first one to be uh, uh, punished. What? What is the problem with Rav Ami's statement? Who was punished the first in the history of creation? What was the first sin? Eating, Eating the forbidden fruit. Right. Uh, now, okay, so and who was punished first? No. The snake. The snake was cursed first. You have the series of curses, and then that's what <coughs> it's about. So now we have a problem because of Ami's interpretation of the verse does not fit with the actual story, and this is what this will be about. All right, as far as the last one created goes, it's true that man was created on the sixth day. For man was not created until Shabbat Eve itself. But as far as the first one to be punished, which punishment are you referring to? Would it be the one imposed after the story of the snake? But don't we have a Tosefta? Meaning a, a text which was not brought into the, in, uh, into, into the, the Mishnah. Rabbi said, Rab, Rabbi said, in conferring honor, we start from the greatest, with the greatest. In cursing, with the, le with the least important. In conferring honor, we start with the greatest, for it is written, Moses said to Aaron, as well as to Elazar and Itamar, his surviving sons, take the meal offering that is left over from the Lord's offering and eat it unleavened beside the altar, for it is most holy. To curse once begins with the least, for the serpent was cursed first, then Eve, and finally Adam. The priority of man in the, matters, the manner of sanctions could then only refer to the flood. To the flood. For it is written, God wiped out all the creatures on the face of the earth, both man and cat. First man, then the beast. So, they are trying to understand what Rabbi Ami means when he says that man was the first to be cursed or when man was the first to be punished. It does not fit the story of creation because the serpent was the first one to be cursed. But what it fits is the story of the flood because there it is written that first man and then the beast.
Now again, what the question always is: what do the what 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 is the, that which the rabbi wants to tell us? Are they really concerned by the chronology of the first to be cursed, the first to be punished? And why are they bringing those three stories, the story of the snake, the story of, of Moses and Aaron about meal offering or, sacrifice, or sacrifices and, and about the flood in order to to strengthen, uh, strengthen uh, Rabbi Ami's reading, what is it actually about? And one could ask another question. How can, well, if Rav Ami's idea that man is the first to be punished does not apply to the story of the first Adam, then what does it help us that about when it's that that uh, the story of the flood, when the story of the flood of man was first cursed, it doesn't prove anything because you have another story when the f- when man was cursed last. So what? So how does how does it explain? How does it justify the saying of Rav Ami? Okay, is the question the question is clear? So, in order to answer this question, we have to ask ourselves what's the difference? What's the difference between those three stories? What's the difference between, let's say, the two first stories, the story of the sin of the first Adam, and the story of the, um, the offerings Moses and Aaron and Elazar and Itamar? Um, offerings at the temple okay, where it is the, 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 the names are recited in order of importance Mo- Moses, Aaron, Elazar and Itamar and so what's the difference between those two I would say and the story of the flood don't read Levinas <laughs> before because then you can answer you can read Levinas then you can do an answer and did you go before answering the question? What? Do you want me to restate the question? Yeah, please. Okay, so the question, our question was, how, how does this, this debate answer our question? We said, Rav Ami says that man is the first to be cursed. But we have a story that where the man is the last to be cursed. Okay? The story of the uh, forbidden fruit. And then they bring here three, uh, three different stories. Again, the story of the forbidden fruit. A verse in which we see that, that as in regards as uh, for conferring honors, the most important ones are quoted first Moses, Aaron, Elazar, and Tamar. First Moses, then Aaron, then the sons. And then we have this, the third story, the story of the flood, in which it's, it is said that men were punished before the beasts. So, 
So again, the question is, how does this explain Rav Ami? If if we have both the story when where man is cursed first, and in the flood, the story of the flood, and the story when he, where he is cursed last, in the story of the forbidden fruit. The question I'm asking you is, what's the difference between the two first stories? Not stories, verses. The two first verses. The verse about the curse of Adam and the curse and the honors given to Moshe one and his sons and as in contradistinction with the verse of the flood. I will make it easier. What's the difference between the flood the the the, the sin of the flood and the sin of uh, the first Adam? Yeah. One is between man and God and one is between exactly. man and man. Exactly. Sin in paradise was between it was God said that men should not eat from the fruit of knowledge and what they they uh, transgressed this commandment. In the story of the flood it's about Hamas. It's about the earth being filled with moral uh, um, moral uh, deficiencies, moral uh, failures. And here is now how Levinas explains. It's true that as in regards to sins having to do with God, Ben Adam Lamakom, between man and his creator, between man and, and God. Well here it's not sure that man is accountable first. Here maybe the serpent is first accountable. It has not to do with morals, not immediately at least. It's not it's not about responsibility in the sense of responsibility for the others. It is about the relationship with God. Here indeed Rav Ami's saying does not apply. Man is not accountable first. Man is not cursed first, man is not punished first. But when it comes to matters having to do Ben Adam between man and his fellow man, here man is first accountable. Here he is truly responsible. In the order of ethics, when it is about your fellow man, then again Rav Amis say applies. You are fundamentally responsible even for things you did not do. Even for a world in which you were, were that you did not create yourself, in which you were put um, only very late. So let, let's read Levinas' uh, commentary. It's on page 171. The merit which is the reason for Aaron's elevation to the priesthood and the fault are you with me? so it's page 171 the paragraph the last paragraph yeah one before the last one one before the yeah this one exactly let us look close let us look closely at the nature of the acts in the three examples cited the merit which is the reason for Aaron's elevation to the priesthood 
and the fault which brings the curse on the serpent are merit and faults only in regard to the eternal. Such is, such is not the reason for the flood. Rabbinic tradition and the biblical text agree. The causes for the flood were injustice and the sexual perversion of men and animals. Ethical evil from which the other person suffers. But also confusion of what is human and what is animal. Evil knowing at the creature in his in this confusion of human and animal. For this perverted universe, man answers first. This humanity is defined not by liberty, do we know whether evil began with man, but by a responsibility prior to all initiative. Man answers for more than his freely chosen acts. He is the hostage of the universe. Extraordinary dignity, says Divina. Unlimited responsibility. Man does not belong to a society which bestows limited responsibility upon its members. He is the member of a society of unlimited responsibility. Because the flood story, flood story is about the human society, because it is about responsibility for the others, here we have to stress that there is a unlimited responsibility that is bestowed upon the human. Man is cursed, man is punished first. Man is first to be accountable. <coughs> we didn't get until the end of the of the text, even not close, but that's the but I strongly encourage you to continue and try to read it by yourself. We had a very good example of what of how it works and the following examples if you if you read it it will be again and again the same the same idea we will Levinas will try to put those two opinions in front of a verse and then trying to ask well how does it how does it coincide how does it, does it uh, um, match and then and then again trying to 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 reaffine to 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 get closer to this idea that love is secondary Love in secondary, meaning always for Levinas, absolute responsibility is primary. And that's how Levinas, at least in his philosophy, tries to, to depict uh, humanity and the sense of the meaning of what it is uh, being human. That's it, that's it for, uh, for this semester. Um, thank you. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed studying with you. I uh, hope you enjoyed it too. And um, come back next semester. And Hanukkah Sameach. When will my semester start? It's the uh, end of January. January 26th. January 26th. Yeah. And it runs through uh, before Pesach. Thank you very much.
interested in nature, particularly. That's not that wasn't what was going on. You asked me about animals. Right. Yeah. And, right. And nature. So having just come from a, a place where there's so much more that is not human that yeah. is alive. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the opposite of New York City. Yeah. Right. Where people are so concerned about preservation, about species, about so the, the phrase man is hostage, they're ho we're hostage, it's like they didn't create these birds and monkeys and whatever, and yet they're totally responsible. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I love that phrase. Mm -hmm. Again, I agree with you. It's, it's the Venus emphasis always is... Uh, People. Yeah. Right. But... Uh, I. We talked about it like last time. Uh, mm -hmm. um, the the you know the concerns about about nature today are so and, and the implications of our relation to nature are so immense yes. that eventually it's you know to to be concerned by nature today is in a way also to be concerned by humans. Absolutely. There is Absolutely. you cannot uh, completely you separate, them. separate right. it and. Right. Uh, and, and there is today, yeah, th those are very, th those are ethical issues. Those are not, uh, eco ecology is an ethical issue right. today. And, and, and think if Levinas were, was, uh, you know, to, to, to live a few more years, even though he, he lived a long life. Right. Um, took, I think he, sh he would have, I don't know if, but, but, I, think, but, I, right. but I think it's, it's, right. it's, it's uh, it becomes more and more evident that it is not just, you know, like kind of, you know, concern of, of, of like mere pensant. Right. You know, it's, it's really a serious, serious issue. And, and uh, yeah. yeah. And you have today, you have uh, people who think about those things. Uh, a lot of Jewish organizations in Israel and here. Yeah. Who do it with ecology. Right. In Israel, not so much. You know. I, I more, true, more true here? In Israel, the, there is no the, the ecology is not really on the agenda. Okay. Like you have the question of water in Israel, but it's right. but it's but it's not it's very yeah it's now it's like yeah. okay the kinetic is just right. you know getting more and more. Uh, so it's what you were saying about how when you separate the pragmatic from the deeply theological. Yeah then you're missing something. The, in relation yeah. to her, remember you said yeah. this is about grounding it yeah. in... Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So if you go back to the ground, then you can, you know, elaborate in directions which are not always present in like those ideas of... Right. You, you can, you can... Those are the, the fundamentals. So from here you can really think about new things. Yeah. Yeah. Which are not always explicit. Thank you. And consolation is a very important issue to me, so I'm mm. there. Great. I, I love you to have this. Persuade some, the, the timing of this class. Yeah, is not, not so not, good. I talked yeah. to Jerry about it. I was yeah. like, I know it's right in the middle of my yeah. of everybody's day, yeah. so it's a little hard. But I know uh, there was. It could be possible to move it to. Tuesdays mm, 11 o'clock in the morning, but that, that doesn't help me. That I doesn't help. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you know. I no, I prefer. I told. Uh, I told uh, Jerry. You know, if you know, I, I prefer to to leave it in this spot. So you know, 
those who came for the first semester, so it's like, I guess it will arrange them, uh, you and uh, yeah, and so you know, it's, it's okay. Like I think it's a good group. You know, I don't you know, need more than this. Okay. Just. The idea of um, this uh, entire chapter about the creative woman. To, to, summarize, to summarize? Yeah. The, the Talmudic? Yeah, like I've been having trouble connecting what we discussed today. Yeah, with what we saw yes, last week? Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted you to kind of... Yeah, ba basically it's like two parts, it's, it's in two parts. Please thank you to for having me. Um, it's like the first part is about the, those two, the two youth, you know, and that's what we discussed last week with, um, with the two faces, the hypothesis. And, and what we discussed today is about Another so verse. Second part. Yeah, the second part is about the rib, the rib uh, verse. You know, there is a verse that states that women were created out of the rib. So, so it's not in the in the Talmudic text is not connected. You see, That's it's um, not connected. But you, but of course, it is connected in a way. But it's not, it's not like you don't. It, there is a kind of jump that you have to do, a kind of leap that you have to do, uh, because it is it, as if now they start a new, a new, uh, a new chapter, okay? Like we discussed the idea of two yod, about this anomaly, and now we will ask another question, what is the rib? What is it? Is it a tail or is it a face? And, um, and whereas the first, the first part is dealing with is not dealing with with the woman actually. It's dealing with something else. It's dealing with the nature of the human as such. The second part is dealing with the creation of the human because it is said that woman was created out from the rib of man. So so that's the that, that's, those are the two parts and then and, and they are not immediately connected. But of course there is a connection. But that's that's what Levinas tries to do to see how it is both disconnected and in dialogue. You know, with the with the previous part. So, so you know, the rest of the chapter, what we didn't do, yeah, just expands on the rib. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's like there are a lot of more questions. For instance, how do the opinion which states that it was a rib cope with the two youths? Okay, that's what I. To see today, so I okay, so that's, a, that's, that's the next question. But that's the next question. So if you read the following, the following passage, that that's that's the next the next question. Like what we saw today is how this opinion connects with the verse in Psalm 139. This we saw today, and the next the next question that the rabbis ask is how does the rib opinion um, link to the vayetzer? So it's just, but but this, um, I, if you want, you can just read it, and if you have questions, you can mail me. But I I, I won't be able.